This is the Automation World Get Your Questions Answered podcast, where we connect with industry experts to get the answers you need about industrial automation technologies. This podcast series is sponsored by Allied Electronics and Automation, carrying the most automation and control brand names in North America. Now, the questions posed in this podcast series all come from automation technology users like yourself across the process and discrete manufacturing industries. I'm David Greenfield, Director of Content for Automation World, and the topic for this podcast is Understanding the Different Industrial Networking Topology Types. So joining me for this podcast is Michael Baum, Executive Director of PI North America, the organization formerly known as the Profibus Trade Organization. Now, this name change occurred a few years ago to better reflect the organization's affiliation with the umbrella organization, Profibus and Profinet International the field bus organization responsible for, as its name implies, both Profibus and Profinet industrial network technologies. So, Michael, let's let's begin at the beginning, as they say, and uh, start with an explanation of just what a topology is in terms of industrial networks. Okay, Dave. Um, in, in general, a topology is the the layout of the network and how your devices are connected to each other. Um, this representation can be done uh, visually first ahead of time so that you're looking at how your devices are laid out and, and where you want those connections to be made. And then those those uh, abstractions can then be brought to the physical world and how you link those devices together. Um, and that eventually is what becomes your topology, not so much a, a a a physical representation of the network, so where those devices are, but really uh, a, a representation of the network of the links between the devices on the network. And is this just to clarify? Is this topology? Is this something that's specific to industrial networks, or is this uh, terminology is applied to uh, network, you know, computing networks of uh, of any type? Oh, absolutely! It's it's, it's a generic term to describe uh, any kind of network that that could be done. I mean, it doesn't even have to be done in in networking. You you might have heard of uh, um, social networks, so you know something like. Facebook actually they have a topology too and and the the nodes and edges and and things that they have to connect people in a in a social network could be used topology could be used to describe that just in our case we use it uh, obviously for for industrial networks um, but certainly could be used to describe commercial networks as, as well all right. So, so looking at the application of these technologies to industrial networks, how do they apply to field bus or the Ethernet versions of the field bus or wireless networks? Is are there differences between the two of which ones are more appropriate for for some than others, or a mix of them all? How does that work? Yeah, that's a that's 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 the key question. And I think if we go back to how how we started. Uh, talking about your introduction, starting with Profibus and then moving to to Profinet, I think we'll we'll just talk generically about field buses and then also generically about industrial Ethernet, so that we're not confusing the two uh, with respect to the protocols. So, as far as a field bus is concerned, the most common topology that we see used is a is a what's known as a line configuration. 
And there are a couple of different topology types that are out there. Um, one of them is called a star, which we'll get into a little bit later. Um, and then there's a line configuration, and then you have something called like a tree or a chicken foot, some people call it, which is a which is a combination of the two. But in a line configuration, the topology means that each device is connected to the next device in a, you guessed it, line. And so uh, you typically find this in serial field buses, digital field buses based on physical layers like RS-232 or RS-485 like Profibus is because that's how the um, that's how the, the the networks and how the connections are, are made um, is you link them one to the next and then you end up with a line. Not to say that a star topology can't be used in a field bus. It's just not really uh, as common because of the physical layer restrictions on, on the serial networks like RS-232 and RS-485. So from a field bus perspective, that's most likely what you're going to find in your industrial network is a, is a, is a line topology. In industrial Ethernet or Ethernet networks, whether they are whether they're in your office or whether they're on your plan four, as long as they're using standard unmodified Ethernet, you'll find not only line con- configurations as, as a topology, but you also find star topologies. And, and a star happens typically, um, let's say, inside of a cabinet. When you have a lot of devices close together, it doesn't really make much sense to go from one device to the next to the next where you can just plug it into maybe a four port or eight port or 60, 16 port or some sort of multi-port switch on the industrial ethernet. And then from the switch to each individual device and that creates your, your star. Now, just to clarify here, even though I did say that in, in, in ethernet networks, you, you have line configurations, in reality, when you have a line in an ethernet network, Actually, on that device is really a two-port switch. So the Ethernet packets are coming into that device. There's a two-port switch, and then they're going out a different port on the device to the next device in in the line, let's say, which is a little bit different from field buses, where with field buses, you only have one port on the device, and then the the next in the line piggybacks off off that first port. So just a little bit of a clarification there. And then, like I said before, um, you can set these up in different uh, arrangements such that lines can connect to stars in, in Ethernet we're talking about now. Lines can connect to stars and, and so on and so forth, and, and, and all the different, uh, different uh, ways are possible. There is one more thing to consider, and that's the topology known as a ring. And in a ring topology, the, the reason you do that, and by the way, we should just say here that if you're using Ethernet, don't start connecting your devices in a ring without doing some sort of management, because then you can have Ethernet packets going in, in circles forever or using a bandwidth and, and, and things like that. But there's there's another topology known as a ring where you, you, you do that for redundancy's sake. So that if a wire is cut on one section, you still have connection to to your network through the other part of the ring. And so between those three, um, line, star, and ring, you kind of have your major 
possibilities as far as topology are, is concerned with with uh, physical wires. Now you mentioned wireless, and that's a whole different that's a whole different ball game uh, as compared to to wired networks. Um, there are all different kinds of of wireless topologies. You can have roaming, uh, where you're moving from one wireless access point to another access point, or point to point over wireless, or point to multi-point over wireless. A lot of different uh, things are, are are possible. But I think it, at least today, what we see in the market is most people are using wired technologies uh, for their networks, for their industrial networks, and wireless really only sparingly, maybe in something like a rotating machinery or something like an automated guided vehicle or places like this. So wireless isn't super prevalent yet. Um, so I think at least for the you know for the bulk of, of manufacturers out there, they're using wired technologies and therefore wired topologies. Okay, and is that the case, Michael? With the you preference for the wired, I know historically it was just for uh, consistency's sake, and because wireless, the dropouts with wireless is something that just couldn't be tolerated in an industrial environment. Is that still the case, or have other reasons uh, cropped up as a reason for reliance on more wired connections? It's not only to do with that's a good question. It's not only to do with the reliability of of wireless networks. It also has to do with the speed and determinism. When you mm. when you run a, 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 a an industrial network over wireless, eventually at some point you're going to have to do a media change from the wireless medium back to a wired media, and that can take time. Or maybe you want to encrypt your wireless connection in your industrial network. Well. Those packets need to be decrypted on the other end, which can also take time. And so in industrial networks where speed and determinism are absolutely paramount, that's the whole reason we have industrial Ethernet protocols in the first place, that's you know where, where those, those factors are, are paramount. That's one of the main limiting factors for, for wireless. That being said, it, it's really amazing the advances that are being made in, in in wireless, um, you know, particularly in 802.11, which is the IEEE standard for Wi-Fi. Just a few years ago, you had only had uh, 802.11a, and now you have B, C, G, and so on and so forth. And so the IEEE has done a really, really good job of updating 802.11 to add bandwidth and add range and, and all of these different uh different features to to wireless and so i think maybe somewhere down the line wireless will get better where it can be installed more frequently but uh i don't see it replacing wired uh ethernet any anytime soon particularly for the for the speed and bandwidth reasons you know just to back up a minute when you were talking about the different uh types of typologies the star the line the ring you also mentioned a, a tree or chicken foot can you describe that is that you didn't go into detail about that is that just something not used often in industrial networking or is it just the others are more common yeah um i i, I think uh it might be just a terminology issue what what i mean by that is if you think about if you take a uh a number of switches and you and you connect them together so you've got a sort of a cascade of switches so it might it ends up looking like a like a family tree and so that's where that comes from so if you have a maybe a switch with a couple uh, uh wires going in and then one coming out to another switch further down the line and then three or four coming out going out to another switch down the line 
and again, how you draw that, you could draw that as as lines and stars, but when a lot of people are drawing up their networks, the way they do it is hierarchically, and so it ends up looking like a family tree, hence the nomenclature, a tree structure. And then if, if it's a four-port switch, it might have one coming in and three going out, and then it looks like a, a chicken's foot, hence the name chicken foot. But I, I think that's mm. – I don't know if that's mm. terminology that we only use or, or, or a few people use, uh, but it's, it, it's just to mean uh, – uh, you know uh, how you look at them hierarchically okay understood thanks for that clarification so when you know now when you know you've got it at some point you know when you're looking at what you have installed you're going to have some sort of topology of some type but i know historically you know a lot of these networks have grown in a very ad hoc way over time, just connecting one thing to the next to get everything talking. So considering that a lot of industrial networks are have been developed that way, how can you assess what you have in place with an idea towards determining what the best topology type you should have for your existing application, you know, in case you want to revisit it for optimal performance or positioning it for future growth or what have you? How how can you assess what you have and versus what you should have? Yeah, there are uh, a number of commercially available tools, and there there might even be some some open source tools, particularly for Ethernet networks. Again, because Ethernet is is so widely used in 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 the commercial office uh, environment and residential, uh, you know, uh, consumer environment, that a lot of these Tools have just come out onto the market, and and since many industrial Ethernet protocols, including Profinet, is based on, you know, using standard unmodified Ethernet, you can use those tools in your in your industrial Ethernet networks. Uh, but to but to talk about um, field buses, I, I I think that the 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 commercially available tools available to to look at them for for field buses are really great because what you can do is you can plug them into your network and what they do is they go out and they find all of the in this case for example profibus devices on a on a network and they draw all the lines they look at all the all the devices that are out there and they really just create you with something like a map and then you can say oh i've got this device here it's connected to this device and so on and so forth and when you talk about how networks have evolved over over time, I, I think it's I think it's a little less likely with with field buses than with than with Ethernet because if somebody's looking at a at a, at a field bus network and they see that DB9 connector in this day and age, it's not likely that somebody's going to go over there and try and plug something into it like like a laptop or a or whatever the, or a printer or whatever the case may be. Whereas I, I think with Ethernet, you the, the the thing that you point out is 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 more common. Somebody sees a, an Ethernet port, they don't realize that it's their industrial Ethernet network, and they go in and they just plug in their old, you know, whatever they've got in their hand because they want to connect to something somewhere else, and that can sometimes cause problems, particularly when it relates to bandwidth, and so. You know, when we talk about networks that have, have evolved over time, in a, in a in a field bus network, you don't really have to have to worry about that too much because it's it's a closed network. Whereas Ethernet, again, if we're using 
you know, standard Ethernet and, and not doing anything to it, multiple protocols can run on the same wire. And so when, when you have that, that, that's a great benefit. That's, that's a beautiful, beautiful thing, yeah. especially when we start talking about the industrial Internet of Things and Industry 4.0 and all these topics, because you want to use the right tool for the right task and the right protocol for the right job. So somebody's going to start using, uh, they, they set up their industrial network and then, oh, well, not only do we want to use our industrial Ethernet protocol, we also want to start using some other protocol, whether it's HTTP for a web server or whether it's OPC to, 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 to connect via to an HMI or something like this. And at this point, then you start utilizing different links within your topology more and more. And so how these networks evolve is you, is you see bandwidth utilization on a given link go up and up and up. And that's where you can really sometimes run into trouble um, to uh, if, you, if you start using up 90 or, or even 70 or percentage of your bandwidth if your bandwidth utilization goes high. And so some ways to mitigate that, some uh, Ethernet switches, for example, support a feature called trunking. In trunking, what that allows you to do is not only do you have one switch connected to another switch via 100 megabit per second, for example, but if, if both switches support trunking, then you can just run another wire from, let's say, another port on that switch to another to, to a port on the other switch. And now they know that and they'll call that link a 200 megabit per second trunk. And so now you've just doubled the available bandwidth on a given link. If maybe that particular link had a lot of devices connected to it at the other end and the utilization was getting very high. So that's one strategy that that people use to, um, uh, to, to edit their networks and, and allow them to... Uh, and allow them to, to handle changes that have come over time. Some other uh, people will set up a, a backbone. So they'll set up a gigabit or 10 gigabit backbone. You know, Certain ports on the switches uh, at a higher level will have that functionality, and they'll set up a, a big 10 gigabit backbone um, uh, across the, across, maybe across a line or, or something like this, and then drop lines off of it, individual lines, at 100 megabits per second, and 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 those are different ways that you can mitigate it. And if, in some case, if there's a if there's a, a particular line that has too much usage on it, they'll stick in a, a switch, and then run a, run a, run a, run a, a wire in parallel to that line that just takes some of the bandwidth off of it and, and frees up some bandwidth that way. So there are a lot of things that you can do to mitigate the issue um, with with Ethernet. Because again, these these networks have evolved, I think, a lot a lot more readily than, let's say, classical field buses. Where, since it was a closed network, you didn't see really people jumping on to the network that weren't supposed to be there. Or if they did add devices to it, then they did so very carefully. Uh, I think the, the more so with Ethernet. In your response, there, you you mentioned you know uh, designing these networks and setting them up you know f- for I you know industrial Internet of Things or Industry 4.0 you know and given that a lot of companies at this stage in the game are still assessing that and figuring out how much of this they're going to do or how and when they're going to do it and you know as part of a you know just a very simple effort or as part of a bigger digital transformation if you will. Um, what's the best way we talked about 
there how to assess what you have and determine if it's right for what you got. But what about looking forward with an idea of not knowing necessarily what exactly is going to come next or what's going to be required of you in the next, say, three to five years in terms of connectivity to other plants, uh, to companies you supply, what have you. With that in mind, is there a way to assess where you're at and position yourself for that type of growth so that your uh, network can uh, be able to uh, grow with those new sorts of requirements and s- so you don't have to totally reorchestrate it uh, from the ground up? Yeah, I, I think there are a couple of things you can do. At, fr- from a, if, if this is specifically about topology, not necessarily because because the, and I'll explain why in a second the answer really if you want to position yourself for for the future simply simply bet on ethernet just just bet on it mm-hmm. now and and assume that that is going to be the the backbone for your network because if if we've seen anything at this point we know that it's 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 here and it's here to stay and 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 the flexibility of ethernet is really really great in that it doesn't limit you to a particular type of topology, and that's what I was getting at to getting at at the beginning of my answer. Because Ethernet is so flexible with rings and and lines and stars, you know, if you bet on Ethernet, then if if changes do come along, then you have the flexibility to put a switch in there or do something like trunking or or do something to alleviate any issues. That being said, there are some pretty cool things. That the pretty cool advances that are coming to Ethernet that will almost make it even more future-proof if you if you don't even want to try and consider whether you're going to install one gigabit, ten gigabit, hundred megabit per second Ethernet. And I don't know if this is the time and place to talk about things like time-sensitive networking or TSN. But I would say if you're gonna if you're gonna plan for the future, bet one, bet on Ethernet. Bet number two, bet that in the future, like I said before, there are going to be multiple protocols running on the same wire. And so therefore, you want to, right now, plan to have as much possible bandwidth as, as you can. So if you, if you are able to, you know, install gigabit wiring now, even if you're not even using a, a measurable percentage of the bandwidth, just plan that down the line, these these things are going to happen because people are going to want to even more and more get from the that IT level down to that OT level, and if you have Ethernet as as far as you possibly can go, then you can get that data, and then what does that mean? Well, that data is using up more and more bandwidth. So so that's what I would say: bet on Ethernet and bet on as much bandwidth as you can install possibly today with with an eye towards future utilization of it. So we've covered a lot of ground here today, Michael, with that, and, and you brought up time-sensitive networking, uh, which is definitely a topic we'll be digging into in a uh, future podcast, but uh, that is definitely a topic unto itself. Uh, but with that in mind, with looking at all we've covered today and explaining the different topologies and the different types of networks and assessing what you have and and looking, you know, towards uh, future options uh, for implementation or for various applications that you have. Uh, anything else you'd like to add that uh, end users should be aware of when it comes to uh, assessing their networks and the topologies they might be using? No, I would I would say um, generally, you know, as 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 we make the transition from field bus 
based networks to to ethernet based networks i think many many users are going to find that they'll be relieved with the flexibility that they have when they do that and so there are there are tools called gateways or or proxies that make that that transition easier so that you can do a piecewise migration and then and then the flexibility of ethernet really gets in there to allow you to set up your topology for a given part of the line maybe that has transferred to Ethernet while another part sits in in your traditional field bus and then and then move piece by piece because we don't expect people to rip and replace everything. That just doesn't make any sense um, either financially or logically. And so by using different gateways, you can you can bring that field bus data into your wider Ethernet network and then leverage the flexibility of Ethernet and its flexible topologies to get that data where it needs to go. All right. Well, thanks for joining me for this podcast, Michael. And to all of our listeners, please keep watching this space for the next installments of Automation World Get Your Questions Answered. And remember to visit our website at www.automationworld.com to stay on top of the latest industrial automation technology insights, trends, and news. (music) 